It's the What's Your Opinion Show, our daily talk show focusing on you, the people, events, and issues of Marshall County. Now here's your hosts, Kathy Bodorf and Rusty Nixon. And thank everyone for being with us this morning. Yes. 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 It's a Tuesday morning. You seem happy. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> if I am or not, it's just, it's just another Tuesday morning. Okay. That was kind of <laughs> different, but uh, yeah. Um uh, Okay, it is Tuesday. And now you're adjusting your headsets. I have, you know. Yep, that's okay. I think we need to get some some Bluetooth in here. Oh, that that would be cool. They are absolutely adjusted by you personally. Every Ah, day you got them in there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they can do that, though. I don't know, but maybe you could get rich making that, uh, you know, coming up with that idea. I am going to get rich for another reason. I'm going to invent (laughs) an affordable, cordless, portable broadcast setup. Affordable, yeah. Cordless. It's like when I go out for a ball game or something like that. Yes, I am like literally tied up in cords. I hate them. <laughs> yes. I could. I just am. I hate cords. Gonna make everything wireless. The I'm headsets, gonna get cordless. The board, everything's gonna be cordless. Everything's gonna be Bluetooth. It sounds like a so. lot of batteries to me. <sighs> Don't confuse me with the facts. I mean, with every great okay. invention, there comes a little, you know, nothing can be perfect. That's right. All right. Those are, that's a birthday for tomorrow and an anniversary oh. for later this month. So I don't need either Woo! one of these today. All don't right. want to get that messed up right. ahead of yeah, time. Yeah, I was going to let somebody, you know, like in <laughs> August, tell them they had a happy birthday today. So, yeah, this one goes in. Yeah. Oh, I do. Okay. I won't give it away. I do have something. Okay. So, uh, John Van Vector is going to be coming in today. He is the member of the Marshall County Council. And I was not here yesterday morning because I was at a council meeting. Yes, you were. That lasted well over three hours. Well. Yes. That sounds special. Yes. So, we're prom- I promise that the discussion will not take three hours. Okay. On that. Uh, but he's going to be our guest uh, a little bit later on in the show. I tell him between 930 and 945. So, in the meantime, uh, I do have some local news that we can chit-chat about. Cool. Um, I do want to, you know, obviously, if you go to our website, if you're one of those who uses our website, you will see the new look on the website. Uh, I am still learning how to operate the website. (laughs) I know Rusty's already... I think you're already gotten some of it. it. Have you figured out the picture part of it oh, yeah. too? See, I haven't. Do, I had. I can't do the pictures it's yet. It's every bit as simple as the other ones were. I well, think. it's in a different spot. Yes, I found. Fi- I found yeah. out where the picture. Okay, but good. The file that I used to have of oh, all those, my pictures yeah. are gone. Yeah. Ooh, and yeah. so, um, yes. So, like, right. I got a mugshot today and i did okay well i know what i would do in the old system but in the new system it doesn't work that way so bob has to teach me that so 
sometimes a lot of the stories will have the same WTCA picture logo thing on there yeah. because I haven't learned out how to do the pictures yet, but I'm getting there. You have, there was a lot of pictures in there. Yes. Yes. A lot of pictures. In exactly. There. There, those pictures are still somewhere. Somewhere. Yes. But I don't know where. <laughs> so. Some guy in North Dakota sitting there in jail. <laughs> wonder where all these pictures came from. They sure are pretty. Yeah. And um, there had been some comments on Facebook, negative comments on Facebook of how hard it was to navigate. And I think the only thing that I'm going to have changed is up at the top, across the top line where it tells news, sports, weather, shows, hits, and more, community and listen live, I'm going to take the maybe the shows and the hits and more and move obituaries up there. I think that would probably So be, yeah. it's easier for them to find. Right now, you scroll down to the bottom of the page, yeah. and obituaries are um, under information there. Everything so. you could imagine is at the bottom. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think that would be a bad idea. So that 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 change will be coming. Okay. But, uh, but anyway, I'm learning it, and I hope you are learning it. And, you know, Bob has been working on this. And, yes, I will tell you that uh, they did a backup of our old server in May when they were putting working on this new site and, and transferring everything from the old server to the to this new site and they hadn't done a backup since may you know bob's head was all about disney not <laughs> thinking about backups and i'm just kidding bob um but anyway so we have lost from may to july we have lost all of those stories now i have i am a paper person so i do have uh most of those printed out on paper right but the last thing i want to do is sit around and retype all those oh, yeah. into here yeah somebody did suggest to me maybe we could scan them but i think it would it would look like a pic which it might work but it would be more it would be like a picture we posted yeah. in there not and i don't know archiving it if it would even come up if you were like if if the, we'll just say there was something at 1050 Lincoln Way East. That's where I used to live growing up. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if if it, if it was on the scan. I don't think it would ever pull up that 1050 Lincoln Way East because the scan would think it's a picture, not an article. So yeah. I'm not sure about that piece of it. Um, I, have, I haven't even approached Bob because last <laughs> week was such a bad week <laughs> with all of the electricity oh, and the lightning and all yeah. that stuff. So... Yeah, but uh, but hopefully you find it easy to get around and you can enjoy it as much as I'm learning to enjoy it. Yeah. Okay? Very good. Good deal. Okay. So last night I did go to the city meetings. And during the Common Council meeting, the council heard on first reading the ordinance setting salaries and wages for appointed officers and employees of the City of Plymouth for 2022 already, believe it or not. It's hard to believe, but it's that time of the oh, year. Yeah. Uh, the proposal is for an up to a 3% increase. And the clerk treasurer said... For most employees. Okay. So 
not all employees are going to get and up to means it's varied right you know so i don't know exactly what the most employees meant but anyway that's what she said I'm thinking that some people are kind of like already at maybe, the top level. Maybe part-time isn't going to get as much. Oh, that could be too, whatever. yes. Exactly. Yeah. Related to that issue, City Councilman Jeff Huyen wanted to clear up some confusion with the salary increase that took effect on July 1st for city employees. And if you will remember last year when COVID was so crazy and they were going through the budget process... And businesses were shut down and people were unemployed and all um, that they weren't real sure what was happening. And so they did not include any raises. Right. Um, and then after looking at the first few months of the year, uh, a couple of the council members felt like the department heads were being very efficient with their budgets and things were on the way to getting better. And so their recommendation was to implement a pay increase mid-year, which would be July 1st. The the clarification came was that, and I don't know, he did not say who was confused, whether it was the general public or whether it was department heads. But the clarification comes is that the budget is already set. The budget is the budget. The budget is not going to increase. Right. You're going to get a pay raise, but that pay raise has to come out of the funds already in the budget right. for that department. So it could end up meaning that, you know, they don't buy a, a mower out at the cemetery so that they can pay right. or, you know, they scrimp and save other places. They don't buy so many office supplies or whatever so that they then have funds that they can move around in their budget. Right to cover the cost of the increase of the salaries. And so he wanted to get that out in the public. And Janine had said that, the clerk treasurer, when uh, they implemented the pay increase, she said that she would not be increasing or seeking any additional appropriations, that the council deemed that there was funding available in those budgets that could cover this pay raise. Mm -hmm. And so... He did clarify, though, that if there's a department that is unable to pay the pay raise with the current budget they are in, then they will immediately begin the additional appropriation process um, so that they can continue paying those wages to all city employees. So as we get closer to the end of the year, and it's going to take some additional work on the clerk treasurer of looking at budgets and making sure that you know, everybody's going to get to the end of the year in the black, um, but they're moving forward with that. And and basically, he just wanted clarification for everybody that they did not increase the budget. Right. They just. Well, I'm sure there was a question or two amongst his constituents as well, to just where the money was coming from. So <laughs> that's where it's coming from. There that is it. Um, I'm. I think we talked about this, um, gosh, that's a whole week ago, uh, when Commissioner Overmeyer was in, mm-hmm. um, but I did the a story on it last night about the steel-wheeled combine oh, yeah. that's been seen in the southern part of the county, because uh, I wanted to put it out there 
for the public to know and for that person or and there may be more than one steel wheeled piece of farm equipment driving up and down the county roads but over the fourth of july holiday weekend marshall county commissioner kevin overmeyer uh, was contacted by a citizen who was concerned about a combine with steel wheels driving on ironwood road north of 19th road which this is south of argus uh, so Kevin got in his truck and drove down over there, couldn't find the combine, uh, but did, it was, and he talked about it because he was driving along slowly looking down at the road right. for damage when there was a high-speed chase going on and there was a police car behind him with the lights on. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he has asked the county attorney to look for some Indiana code that would allow the county to send a bill to that combined owner for damages done to the road that they're on, right. that they're using. And apparently this combine has, because I looked up, we discussed this same thing in October of last year. Um, and at that point in that article, it said that this combine had been going from field to field. So it right. wasn't just going out to the field. And, and I mean, it, it was moving around the southern part of the county doing work in a lot of fields. Um, there is supposedly some ordinance in the state that says driving on roadways requires rubber tires or rubber wheels. Okay. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, the county attorney is going to be looking into this situation again to see if there is some way. They never took action back last fall but now they they want to do something to keep motorized steel wheeled basically equipment you know you don't see a car driving around on steel wheels no um uh, off the county roadways because of the damages that they do uh to the roadways. so basically that story was put up for information although it it did get Quite a number of hits on Facebook of negative comments. I, I, it's, I think people, you know, first off, you know, well, is it just for farm equipment? No, go put some steel wheels on your, you know, Mustang and drive Actually, it down the road. They used to have those uh, snow tires with the little Studs, spikes. Studded they can't tires. do that anymore. Right. You're right. Yep. Um, so... You know, it's, it's like common sense, people, but some people just don't have common sense, I guess. There, I said it. I blamed it on somebody <laughs> other than me. Well, what did my dad used to say? Putting your mouth in motion before putting your brain in gear? It was one uh, of his favorite little uh, things. Yes, I can understand yeah. that. A Chicago man was arrested... Uh, Friday evening, and ended up in the in the hospital because he ingested some white powder that tested out to be positive for cocaine. You need to give me some. I don't know the backstory, but this you... is about ten thirty at night. Plymouth Police got a dispatch of a possibly impaired driver. Uh, Officer Crynock with the Plymouth Police Department located the suspected vehicle. Eastbound on US 30 from Plymouth Goshen Trail, uh, he did was able to observe several traffic infractions, 
And while he was attempting to pull the vehicle over out on the highway, the passenger threw something out of the passenger, no, the driver threw something out of the passenger's window. So he's driving along, pushes the button, rolls down the window over there, and then throws something out. A suspected drug paraphernalia uh, is what was thrown out of the window. So he gets a littering charge. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, that's probably one they hadn't thought about need yet. need to add it. Uh, yes. During the traffic stop, they did have Plymouth Canine come out, Castor, and uh, he did alert to the odor of narcotics in the vehicle. They did search the vehicle and found heroin and legend drugs. Well, he's got a regular smorgasbord <laughs> going on in it's there. It's the buffet. It's a drug buffet in that car. 48-year-old Robert Stevenson of Chicago uh, was arrested and lodged in the Marsh County Jail for operating while he was arrested for operating while intoxicated, possession of heroin, possession of paraphernalia, and possession of a legend drug. During the investigation, he swallowed some white powder substance, which tested out to be cocaine, so they took him out to the hospital, and he was admitted there for evaluation for eating cocaine. <laughs> the next day, about... <laughs> Just sprinkle some cocaine on your cornplanks <laughs> in the morning, huh? About oh, 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon, <laughs> he was released from the hospital and transported to the Marshall County Jail, where he was also charged with resisting law enforcement and intimidation and held on a $3,000 cash bond. Okay. So that, okay. So those new charges resisting law enforcement. So was that leaving the hospital? He pulled some shenanigans and intimidation. Did he threaten somebody at the Mm. hospital? You know, Kind of makes me wonder. There's a backstory there. Yeah, there has to be. And the other backstory is why is he driving around with a car full of drugs? Why is he driving around Plymouth, Indiana? I just don't get that. You know, let's just. Well, let me take every drug I have in the house, put it in the car, and start driving around. (laughs) Nothing bad can happen there. Oh, my goodness. You know, I don't know what baffles me more because he was obviously intoxicated drive that yes that you'd get behind the wheel that way number one number two that you well you know i may need some refreshments on the way to aunt june's <laughs> house so i better take everything i've got i never you know i might want to might want to relax a little bit so i've got my heroin you know i may need to to be a little bit more on point so i got a little cocaine <laughs> oh my god what's interesting it's crazy is what it is Plymouth police uh, responded Saturday night about 10.30 to a trespass complaint, which was in the 200 block of West LaPorte Street. Um, The subject, 34-year-old Gary Beatty of Plymouth, was later located. Uh, Corporal DeLee uh, with the Plymouth Police Department made the arrest. He had a parole warrant out of Indianapolis, along with being charged with operator never licensed and possession of paraphernalia. The thing that gets me is he was only held in the Marshall County Jail on a $100 cash bond, which I was like, that that seemed kind of... Small. Short, yes. Yeah. Seemed like just, just not quite all of it there. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's... <laughs> Maybe it's just me. See, I've, sure. I've infected you with the backstory disease. 
I have infected you with it. You're now you're now one of us, Kathy. You're one of us. Um, also, those of you, Stacey, Senator Stacey Donato, who handles the lower third of Marshall County, is going to be at the Fulton County Fair today from 6 to 8 p.m. And she'll be available to talk with folks about Indiana's new laws and other topics. So uh, you are encouraged to attend the Fulton County Fair tonight and... Come meet with uh, your state senator who represents you in the southern part of the county. All right. Uh, also, this one, I think this will affect some people in our area. So I, I used it, even though it's not it really in our county. Uh, but INDOT announced yesterday that State Road 23 is going to be closed between U.S. 6 and U.S. 30 beginning Monday, July the 19th. Uh, the road closure is in three locations for culvert replacements just south of County Road 600 North, just north of County Road 650 North, and at Union Road south of Walkerton. It's going to take about two weeks, weather dependent, obviously, and so you're asked to uh, find alternative routes because if you use the official detour, you will follow U.S. 30 to U.S. 31 to U.S. 6, which takes you out of the way, obviously. Where is that again? Up at, uh... at State Road 23, south of Walkerton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that would. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that would be a little bit of a detour. Yeah. You know, well, it's just like the one that's out on oh, yeah. 30 yeah. Uh, over east of Bourbon. They have got the pipe in the ground, and that should be finishing up. They were hoping to lay asphalt yesterday or today on the westbound lanes, and now they're immediately going to switch over to the eastbound yeah. lanes, and they're going to direct that poor eastbound traffic on the same old yeah. detour, which I, I would have thought it somehow they could have gotten a crossover and crossed them over onto the highway and just had... One lane going each direction out on the highway instead of through these little towns that are not any more made yeah. or desire to have that kind of truck traffic and such through them. But, nope, you are right there. Yeah, it's kind of a mess, but that's life. Yes, it is. All right. Well, do you know, did the Price Fairy show up today? Yes. Okay. I have uh, an Elks dinner. Uh, hang on, I've got the menu here someplace. Oh, okay. yes. Uh, meatloaf tomorrow. Oh, one of your favorites. Good stuff. Cheeseburger, tenderloin, also oh. good stuff. <laughs> uh, smoked pork chop with mashed potatoes. Uh, crispy chicken salad. Those are your I Wednesday had the, options. I had the chicken salad out there. It's very good. Okay. This is for a Friday night dinner, though. Uh, anytime you want, you don't have to use it this Friday if you're busy. Wait. And it's for any dinner. It's no longer right. just for the fish dinner. You it's can for have any anything. dinner. Uh, spaghetti and meatballs, uh, obviously fish, jumbo shrimp, fish and shrimp, uh, fish platter, which is what I usually get because that's more than enough. The all you can eat usually leaves me rolling out of the uh, building cheeseburger platter tenderloin platter and unlimited salad bar that's all your friday options i have a dinner for caller number hang on demon dice caller number three nine three six four zero nine six 
936-4096, caller 3. Going to be eating some Elks dinner on Friday or whatever Friday you want. So good luck. Summer fun is here again at the 2021 Marshall County Fair. Brought to you by our Platinum sponsors, 3031 Equipment, Gentech Farm Seed and Chemicals, Marshall County Farm Bureau, Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance, Michael Sheep Farm, and Sequel Wire and Cable. Support our local 4-H kids July 17th through the 24th. Come and enjoy exotic animals, square dancing tractors, donkey races, laser tag, food and commercial vendors, KOI drag races, and so much more. Check out MarshallCountyFairAssociation.com for a full list of events and join us July 17th in Argus for the Marshall County Fair and see what all the fuss is about. Want to know what's going on in Marshall County? Just reach for the Pilot News. Local government, people, and places. Since 1851, the Pilot News has been Marshall County's only daily local newspaper. So when you want to know what's happening around town, pick up the Pilot News. Call 936-3101 today and have everything in Marshall County delivered to your doorstep. The Pilot News. WTCA. I love you, love you, love you. Awesome, I am so excited. Your hometown station. FM 106.1 and AM 1050. Feel good radio station. and AM 1050 WTCA in Plymouth, Indiana. And what's your opinion? Phone lines are open at 574-936-4096. So call now and join the fun. Now here's Kathy and Rusty. Congratulations to Rich. He's rich in food now. (laughs) Thank you. I'm I'm here all week. All right. Uh, Yeah, Rich. Going to be eating some milks. Good deal. Food. Uh, this morning, we have John Van Vactor with us. John is a member of the Marshall County Council. We had council meeting on Monday. And so we're going to talk. It The meeting lasted over three hours. And I promise you folks that it's not going to take us three hours to get through this today. I promise. Uh, maybe an hour, but we'll see how things go. <laughs> we'll just see how fast we want to bust through this. Um, started right off the bat with Judge Bowen, which I was really surprised when I saw Judge Bowen in the audience. I'm like, I wonder what Judge Bowen is here for. 
because the agenda said Superior Court 3, and so... And I don't know the gals that work in the office, so I, you know I that had some somebody's name on there, but it's like, well, I wonder where the judge is here. And so, but he was actually the one on the agenda. He was coming in for Superior Court One um, because he his court reporter, who has been there for twenty eight years, is retiring in September, and he would like to hire a new one, and about four weeks out to get some training on that. And so to do that, there's not money typically in their budgets that has that ability. So um, John, he had to come, which was really nice. He came in and asked you guys, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to do a transfer or do you want to do an additional appropriation? Yeah, and what he had to do was, first of all, we had to change the salary ordinance because the auditor can only pay by the salary ordinance and it only allows him to have one court reporter. So we had to allow him to have two court reporters for that four-week period that he wants to train someone who's going to take over that position. And like you say, it's been filled for 28 years by someone, and you're just not going to replace them without a period of time where they can learn all the ins and outs that it's going to take to do that job. And so... um He's going to have to pay that person for those four weeks. And obviously, um, it, it's fortunate, though. I mean, he did come and tell you that I do have money uh, in, a, in a fund for a part-time clerical, which I had, a, you know, I have $10,000 in that fund. And to date, I've only spent $461. So I have funding. He he estimated it was going to be just under uh, $3,500 uh, for the pay for this person. But he asked you, do you want me to transfer funds or do you want to do an additional appropriation for this? Right. And we suggested that he just go ahead and put in the transfer of the funds from the part-time into that line item to fill that out. And it, and it really is a no-brainer. Yes. I mean, you have somebody that's been there all this time. I mean, because working in the court, there's tons of technology there, too. So it is there will be a learning curve for that person to step into those shoes and fill them. So uh, four weeks is not, uh, you know, an unreasonable amount of time to learn. You're dealing in very important stuff. You better know your job. Right. And we have done that throughout the county for other positions also, so that we have a smooth transition for the citizens out there who they are actually serving. Very good. Um, next on the agenda uh, was the Plymouth Public Library. They are doing a major renovation project at the library, actually um, almost $5 million uh, in renovation work. And I was surprised. Rusty, you probably will know this, but when was the last update over there at the library? Why would I Which, know that? Well, <laughs> because I would think it basically was... When really we major, moved out? Yes. Um, it seems that would be a good... You're talking about like Good building and that kind question. of stuff, like a like adding to the building or whatever. I, I would think, assume the last yeah. major renovation was in. Oh, you want that? That would have been been there thirty years, so probably what twenty five years ago. Well, you're close in, in two thousand. Okay, so twenty one years ago yeah. uh, was the last major uh, renovation project that they did over there, and. Um, can John, can you explain why they had to come before the county council? They have their own money. They have their own tax uh, 
tax rate. Right. Um, so why do they have to come and see you guys to spend their money? Because the library board is an appointed board. It's not an elected board. And so, therefore, it's just like the solid waste district has to come before the county council to have their budget approved or any additional appropriations to their budget approved by an elected board. And so we are the elected board for the Plymouth Library. Just same uh, a few months ago, we did the Bremen Library for right. the same reason. Uh, since they are all appointed, it had to come to us as the elected board to approve those appropriations. And they have they will not have to float a bond issue with this. They have the money uh, in hand in several different funds, but they have the money in hand. Um, he did talk about uh, Susie Reinholt. Uh, who had been there for many years, had been saving money all along towards a new major renovation over there at the library. And so that's been continuing and they've been saving for years and now they're at the point uh, where they want to, they actually are at a point where they need to make the renovations um, because he did talk about uh, a leaky roof and the HVAC system needing to have some updates as well. And so... Um, Basically, he they came before you. They had their plans and their drawings, but they didn't. They didn't really go over, you know, in detail what their plans are or any of that. But this is, you know, the project. This is how much we plan to spend. This is where our money is coming from. And to me, it almost seems like a no-brainer, rubber stamp situation. Well, it was one of those things where it was open for the public to discuss. It wasn't necessarily a public meeting, but the public was made aware of through the notification that this additional appropriation was going to take place. And it was open for the public to speak, and no one spoke either for or against this project. And like you say, it wasn't up to us to second-guess the project. We were there to approve the financing of it or the appropriation of the money that they had already accumulated. And so, like I say, it was not going to increase taxes. Um, and again, as you had pointed out, they had been raising this money or saving this money for probably the last 20 years to accomplish this project. Uh, in my personal opinion, I mean, that's the way I do my own finances at home. If I've got a big expenditure coming up, you know, I save that money up if I can in order to, to keep from having to go into debt for a project. Yep. It, it, it's really a good thing to do, although um, I will say that the vote was five to two uh, with both Tim Harmon and Jesse Bohannon voting against. Uh, I, I don't want to I get were they voting against the project or were they voting against the funding of the project, the funding of the project? You would have to ask them. I'm not sure <laughs> what motivated their vote one way or another. Um, I, I, well, Jesse did mention uh, that he wanted to know if they'd look for uh, grants for the project um, or, or money from outside sources to help fund the project. But they they have all their money in hand. I, I, I was a little bit uh, caught off by that. Um, and, and, the, and the director did say that they are going to look for some grants for the wi Wi-Fi capacity that they uh, want to increase in that building. But... Other than that, it it moved forward with no issues. And I think we'll try and get them on, on the show to actually, they have some great pictures and concepts and some major changes that they're going to make there. Um, some forward thinking ideas of, of, you know, it's not the same old library. 
it was 20 years ago or 40 years ago. It's not that quiet little place with nothing but books. It, it's really changed. Right. And, and as he pointed out, they have talked with the extension office and with the neighborhood center. And they are making a facility so that they can provide things for those clients uh, for quality of life for them to help improve cooking classes and, and woodworking classes and things like that. So it's more than just the old Carnegie Library where you went to check out a book or you went for, you know, story hour. Exactly. Uh, next on the agenda, were representatives from USI were there, which they appeared before the Marshall County Commissioners last week. Um with an idea to move forward with the Veterans Parkway extension uh, that will would take Veterans Parkway from Michigan Road all the way over to Pioneer Drive. Um, they did uh, apply last year for federal funding for this project, and they did not receive any. Um, so USI and a couple of other, oh, uh, Mike Burroughs um, met with, in dot to figure out you know why you didn't like the application what you didn't like about the application how can we make it more appealing to you and so they came back with some ideas on how to make it a more appealing and um of course part of that is uh, well you gotta put some skin into the game so um if you are really serious about this then you need to put some money down to show that you are so they they have a proposal um, to get started with the preliminary engineering and have that paid locally. Uh, yes, and it would be slip, split between the city and the county. Uh, one of the portions would be the county would apply for from Michigan Road to Oak Road, and the city would apply then from Oak Road to Pioneer. And that's the two, instead of having one big project like we did last year, it would be two separate projects. They would go together uh, with a memorandum of understanding between the city and the county of who is responsible for what, how the finances are going to be split, and that MOU would go in with the application process. But they can look at it as a, two smaller pieces versus one. Um, she was talking, they talked, um, I wrote down some numbers. There was $90 million available for that last fall award and they had $450 million in application projects. So it was very competitive. Yes. Um, and I know there there was a lot of discussion about this. Um, it kind of started off with after they got into the basically this is what we want to do. This is how INDOT seems to think it'll be a little more appealing um, but then the, the questions started coming up as to, well, why are we even doing this? Do, you know, who started this? Why are we doing this? Um, and we all know it's been talked about for several years now that what they're doing on US 31 to make it limited access highway is what the proposal in DOT is wanting to do now on US 30 is to start limiting so many crossroads across the county. And so this road would allow access to get across the northern part of the county easier. It would definitely allow truck traffic to get into the industrial park without having to come down Michigan Street and, and then, you know, take the back roads to get into the industrial park that way. Um, 
It ha- it's been on the books for a long, long time. I think Kevin said yesterday, since 2002, this project <laughs> has started. Uh, preliminary work and everything. Uh, and that he did talk to Jason and that the current section of Veterans Highway has approximately 5,000 vehicles per day traveling on it. So it is very well used. Um, their proposal is to do the pol- begin with the preliminary engineering um, and only do up to the phase one. So getting getting started to show your commitment to the state that you really want this project to go forward. Um, and then once you put your application in and you, you show that you've already started on this project, to include in your application the rest of the money for the preliminary engineering for the rest of the project um, to keep it moving forward. Yeah, the first stage will all be 100% paid by the county and the city. And then after we get to the stage one completed of the preliminary engineering, it would be an 80-20 split with the federal funding. And I, I, there was some discussion amongst the council members um, of the proposed equality of the split of the money between the city and the county. Um, the county right now is proposed to pay almost double uh, what the city is for the same project although i do know in that project there is a bridge and bridges are are 100 percent county owned and operated and taken care of so and it's totally in the county section of this project is the Ernest Rightly ditch will have a bridge over it so that increases the amount that the county's going to have to pay I think they said it was about one-thirds to two-thirds that the balance would be um, but but uh, a couple of the council members <sighs> felt like the benefit is much more to the city of Plymouth for this road than it actually is to the county you well, it's it's all depends upon how you look at it. I mean, if you're looking at economic development, it's going to help both the county and the city. Uh, when you look at where it's connecting, it's connecting to Oak Road and it's connecting to Pioneer Road. Those are the two major roads that go into our industrial park. So if you're looking at expanding for economic development reasons, you need to be able to have a traffic flow, uh, which you know, in the tax rate would end up helping both the county and the city. And our, honestly, I mean, our in, uh, industrial park is getting full with, you know, what pretzels built out there, addition to their built, two additions they've done onto their building, and Harrington Noodles built a building out there. The state highway garage is now out there. Um, I, the, I guess it seemed like the concern of Jesse Bohannon, who is a council member, was and Tim Harmon knows we don't know what INDOT's going to do at Oak Road or at Pine Road, Pioneer Drive. So why are we trying to do a project that we don't know what the impact is actually going to be? Well, and again, I can't speak for them, uh, but, but let's go back. I mean, 2002, this project started. It's not something that has just recently come up because of US 30, but it's a project that, you know, Previous commissioners, previous council members have had the foresight to say, look, we need to, to make this road go across here for access for our community. And, and it seemed like the majority of the council could see the impact, the positive impact that this road is going to have down the future. Um, 
And NDOT did tell USI that if you guys proceeded with engineer the preliminary engineering, that I think the quote would have been that you've basically backed us into a corner so that we have to fund you. Well. Meaning it, it this this is a serious project. And they've already said, NDOT has already told them it's a good project. It's not throwing money away. It has, actually has merits to it. So it's just... Well, as you know, Kathy, there are no guarantees one way or another. <laughs> I mean, we could we could do the preliminary engineering and they could say, no, we're not going to fund this. But we have to be positive and think forward of where are we going to move forward with the county, with the community. I mean, we've done stellar. We've done everything economic development-wise to move this county forward. Uh, and this project has been on the books since 2002. We need to keep moving it forward to a completion. I do know that um, they did open the floor um, and ask Mike Burroughs, who is heading up this project for the county commissioners, uh, spoke about it um, and the positive aspects of this. And then um, President of the Council, Tim Harmon, did ask to hear from, uh, or did, was that you who asked? I asked to yeah. hear from the other two commissioners. Commissioners who happened to be in attendance at the meeting. And so... Uh, Commissioner Klotz uh, spoke, and, and he continues to have his concern is that we take care of the current roads we have now before we take on any more projects, I guess would be the best way to say it. Although, um, as we get farther into this meeting, we will see where the county council is supportive of road projects here in the county. And no man, I, I mean, if we had... $50 million and could go around here and do roads, we still are going to have somebody who's not happy about a road. Probably. You cannot make everybody happy about a road. Well, and the confusing thing about Commissioner Klotz was he did state he wasn't opposed to the project, but he didn't say that he was in favor of the project. So I was a little confused <laughs> at what his actual stance was on the project. I think he's neutral. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Commissioner uh Kevin Overmeyer spoke, um, and this is this is one that uh, he definitely is in favor of, um, and and talked about even talked like about bringing down the Metronet. How Marshall County, you know, was forward thinking, and the commissioners needed to look further beyond than just the next few years. We need to look down the road, and bringing in dark fiber into this county. Um, has been a real blessing, and, and now it's exploding down here uh, with other companies starting to provide fiber to private individuals in homes now. So you have to look before look further out than just a few years. And, and that project was also a, a group effort. I mean, there was the city of South Bend, there was St. Joe County, and there was Marshall County together that all put some dollars into that to make that project come down here to Marshall County. And the same way with Veterans Highway, we have the city on board with the county working together to complete this project, uh, which is, is good that they're working together to, for, to satisfy the needs of this project. Um, it, just a ton of discussion um, about this project, uh, how it fits into the county's new continuity of operations plan, where if there would be, uh, ha you know, th there is a lot of hazardous waste that travels up U.S. 30 and 31 that people don't actually know what's 
out there going up and down the road. If there would be a hazmat incident, how this road then could be used to detour traffic to keep them out of the downtown areas. Um, and so a lot of thinking, what ifs, what if this happens? Because it, it will happen. Eventually something will happen and it'll have to be used. Um, well, and just the normal traffic flow, as as the county and the city grows, where is that normal traffic flow going to be? Do you want it going through downtown Plymouth? You don't, the only ones you want going through downtown Plymouth are, are the cars that are going to stop at a store and go shopping. The the semi truck going down or the cement mixer, we don't want them driving down the road because they're not going to stop. They're going to keep on going to their next job or whatever. And the wear and tear on the roads that they create, you know, downtown roads aren't made for those anymore. No, they're not. And turns in the downtown are not made for that kind of traffic anymore either. So it, it is a, a really interesting project. After more than an hour discussion, um, there was a call of support for this project so that they could. And, and we can talk a little bit about the timing of this is. Um, so they weren't, USI was not there to get you to motion to move forward with an agreement with them right now. No, they were looking for a motion of support for the project, that the council was willing to look for the funding uh, to make this happen. And, and the same thing happened at the commissioners last week, that they were looking for support. Um, two commissioners were a hundred... 100% supportive of the project. Uh, Commissioner, Commissioner Klotz still had the comment about taking care of the, our current roads. Um, I don't, I don't, they didn't really vote um, at the commissioner's meeting, I don't think, a, a yay or a nay no. um, uh, on it. But at the council meeting, they did vote um, to be some more supportive of this project, and it was a five to two vote um, to go ahead so that USI can continue. The process, uh, get an agreement built, put together. There would have to be a memorandum of understanding. And they had to go to the city. Now, they have been in discussions with the city about the project ongoing for, a, you know, well over a year now because of the application that we did uh, last fall. Uh, but they'll be going before the Redevelopment Commission because that's the piece that would actually uh, provide the city's matching funds for the grant application and so they're going to be meeting with them and then if they are supportive of moving forward with this project then they'll, they'll start the paperwork uh, of a contract for services um, and then you guys will have to be moving because you want to get contracted with uh, an engineering company uh, on designing this before the application is actually due which is in I believe November. December, I think you Dece said. They November, would. December, okay. So. And again, that would be the commissioners to move forward with that contract. It would be up to us to do the financing. And the preliminary numbers that they gave us for 2021 would be approximately $171,000 that we would have to come up with. And in 2022, uh, it would be $163,000. So roughly to get to stage one for the county, it would be approximately $334,000 over the two-year period. Two. Which is nice because it's split up in two years, which makes it easier for you guys to fund it too. Um, instead of 
a big chunk of money all at once. Sure. Um, and obviously there will be additional funding because we're talking about over a $14 million project and federal funds obviously are fantastic. It's an 80, 20 split. Um, but then there's that 20 percent, 20% that you're, but timing wise, um, this is another good thing. This is a project for 2027, which seems way out there. Um, but because the environmental was completed when we did the initial Veterans Parkway, they'll only have to come back through and make some amendments to it because it's five years old to make sure that there's no additional wetlands. Our, the wetland mitigation has already been taken care of with the initial Veterans Parkway project, so they don't have that to deal with and um so that can make that project move forward because environmental is a long drawn out process that we are basically completed with we'll have to do some minor updates to it but that's it um, and they said that this project would have the possibility if funding becomes available because another county or another project doesn't move as fast as long as it should that there could be money as soon as 2024 uh, to get started on this project. Yes. And and the other thing is to think about is down the road, the federal government is, is coming up with more and more money for infrastructure, which is roads and bridges. So that money that they're talking about giving to us may be the money that we use to complete this project. Where is all this money coming from, John? I don't know. <laughs> I wish I knew. <laughs> Every time we turn around, it's like... There's a grant for this, and there's money for this. And in fact, Julie just mentioned at the end of the meeting that the county got four point five million yes. into the fund. It's there that the fund that we had to establish in order to get the money from them. It's there, and it's now waiting for the commissioners and the council together to come up with a plan on how we're going to spend that money that meets all the requirements that the IRS has on for what that money can be spent for. It just can't be spent for whatever we want to spend it on. They have guidelines that we have to follow. And I will say on this um, this first almost $9 million that we're going to get, um, it, it is not for roads. No, it is not. Um, there's supposed to be more money coming down the down the pike for that. Um but I know there are some council members that would take, if they could, they would take all of that money and, and put it into roads. But um, there are specifics and you have to have plans. And, and see, I, initially I thought we were going to get the money in May. Then it seemed like the government changed and said, okay, the money is going to be available for you. You have to get your plan in place and then you have to submit a project and if the project is approved, then you'll get the money for that project. And I thought they were going to hold all that money. And then the next thing I hear Julie say is we got half of the money. Yeah, it keeps changing every day. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that's kind of like, you know, Veterans Highway and US 30. What's going to happen? We don't know because that changes every day on what's going to happen. But we still have to look forward to the future and where we're going with this county. Um, and to the roads, yeah, we would we would all like to give more money to the roads, but we have got to manage the whole pie that we have for all the different entities. There's like 60-some different budgets in the county budget that have to share that pie that, that 
you know, and so the highway department over the last six years, uh, quite frankly, has done a very good job. And I think the council has done a good job in funding them. Uh, I would like to give a lot of credit to the community crossings program, which I know you want to talk about later. Um, but uh, just in Marshall County, uh, all of Marshall County, there has been approximately $16,000 put into the roads in Marshall County 16 the, million over the last six years all of all of the oh, entities for everybody yeah the, the match and uh, what they got from grant money over the last six years so we are making progress on our roads it, we we certainly are and the council has been very receptive uh, when the highway superintendent comes in with a project uh, of and needing additional funds, the county has, has council has stepped up uh, to fulfill his request for those funds. So, um, I think roads we're doing good work on roads. The other thing is, you know, our highway department is only so big, and there's only so many hours in the day, and then you have days like this week where there's a chance we're going to get rain every day. Um, so. It's like, do we go out and start a, a paving project and then the rain comes and we have to stop? You know, so it's it's very weather dependent, um, you know, those road projects that they do, too. So even if Jason had unlimited money, almost, there's only so much he can get accomplished in a year. Right. And, and the other thing is, is you have weather. You know, whatever the winter winter it brings us True. depends on what your roads look like in the spring. And Jason has a good plan but his plan may be disrupted by Mother Nature, who decides that they're going to raise havoc with all of our roads, and, and they just start blowing up. But his program has been good from the beginning. He starts with roads, and they're all on a PASER rating, which is something that takes the politics out of which roads we're going to look at, because those roads are rated. And then we look at the traffic flow on those roads, so that the more populous roads that are being used are being brought up, and he's even went out to look in the different townships as to the feeder roads that the, the majority of people travel on in those townships to try and bring those roads up so that everybody is getting a road, maybe not their road, but within a mile or two of their road is a major road that goes through that gets them to where they want to go. And on a decent road. On a decent road that's in good shape as long as Mother Nature cooperates with <laughs> us in the program. It, it it definitely is a challenge, I would think, for them. Yes, and I give my hats off to Jason. That young man has just taken on a job, and he's done an excellent job out there uh, of coming up with thoughts and ideas. And it's like we, when he got his award, Jason's theory is what we do today, we can do better tomorrow. And he always finds a way to do that. And it's with this Community Crossings Project that he went out and says, you know, while they're here, why don't we look at just putting out for bids some other roads in those same areas because they're already set up, they already know how much tonnage they're going to bring into that, and they can probably give us a better price on doing those roads while they're right there rather than have them come back in later or do it or rather and have his crews do it. And so it, we get a better bang for our buck for what the work that's being done. And, you know, well... Let's jump into that a little bit because um, the community crossings, I did this, 
I did do my story on on this. Um, the community crossings, the low bidder for the community crossing projects uh, was one point four five million, um, and got a million dollars uh, from community crossing, so that left four hundred and fifty one thousand dollars to take care of. The county council had already pledged four hundred thousand um, towards this. So he was short $51,000 and he came to the to the council yesterday and said, okay, this is where we are. I'm short. Um, and is there any way that we can take the additional $51,000 out of rainy day? Yes. And, and the, the suggestion was made that we, we go ahead and fund that 51,000 out of the rainy day fund because that's where the 400,000 is coming from. So it makes it easier on the auditor to, to pay those bills when it's all c combined together. And then he offered up $500,000 uh, for his portion of the extra projects, uh, which left approximately $676,000, which the suggestion was to go ahead and take that out of our current general fund because we have sufficient funds in there that would be able to cover that. And so um, everything that he asked, he asked for, he was granted. That means all the community crossing projects and all of those additional paving projects uh, will be handled this summer uh, by one contractor who will be in the county for a few days, uh, I would say, to get it all taken care of. Um, but it, but it's done. So, Well, other than just the formal, I mean, he'll come back to our next meeting with actual paperwork. Right. But the letter, you know, the support the for it was there, there was passed unanimously by all the council members he did uh also mention uh that he is short uh in the 2021 road plan by about 300 uh, by about no about four hundred thousand dollars um and he asked he asked if you guys would be supportive of taking uh three hundred thousand dollars out of local road and streets and moving that in so they can continue to do road projects in the county. Um, the remaining $100,000 that he's short, he said, let's just wait until the season rolls through and see where we are. Um, because, like today, they're they're not paving today because of the call for rain and, and the rain that we got last night. Um, you know, rain, you can't put asphalt down on a wet road. Right. It has to be dry because the moisture in there will stick around and then when it gets winter time it'll freeze that's what causes blow-ups so we you had to have some good hot dry weather to do road projects um and again jason is just informing the council ahead of time of what may be coming up later on in the year so that they're not just all of a sudden out of the blue come up with, okay, now we need to transfer another $100,000 out of MVH to the, to the restricted fund so that I can finish out the program. He's giving you the heads up months in advance so that you know where what what's going on. Yes. It's a good thing. Yes. Um, uh, the sheriff was in, um, it's kind of hard. I, Rusty and I talked a little bit earlier in the show. Last night, uh, the city council uh, con considered um, wage increase for next year um, in, in their ordinance on first reading, uh, preparing for the 2022 budgets. And the county council is also preparing for the 2022 budgets. Uh, department heads have already put in their requests for next year. 
Um, and the auditor said that you, that you should have all those budgets and requests uh, before the next meeting um, because that's the long all-day meeting where <laughs> you look at all of these budgets and meet with department heads. Um, but uh, Sheriff Hassel did come with some budget discussion that he wanted to talk with you guys about. Um, and this actually has to do, I guess, with making it easier in the auditor's office and out at the sheriff's department. Um, he said he actually has full-time employees out there. Some are working 35 hours a week. Some are working 37 and a half hours a week. And some people work 40 hours a week. And that the software does not recognize um, holiday pay or overtime. I guess it's holiday pay, really. If you don't get 40 hours in, well, some of his full-time people are not at 40 hours. And so they, it means that manually they have to go in there, override it, and put it in. And so um, he came with a request at the recommendation, I believe, of the auditor's office of getting rid of holiday pay and putting it in all as overtime pay uh, because it's the same rate. Um, and it, the I don't know, there was some discussion because it, you being a former sheriff, you've had to go through this um, and to make it easier just to get payroll taken care of. Yeah, years ago, the sheriff's department did not receive holiday pay. You know, we just... We just worked the holiday, and there was nothing that other county employees got off. And eventually they came around to where they said, well, you really need to be compensated for that. But they wanted to know how much was actually being spent on holidays. And so there was another line item set up for holiday pay, and then you had your regular overtime pay. Well, all holiday pay is is overtime pay. So to make it simpler now is just to combine the two funds together and just you know, give it all to them in, in an overtime line item rather than separate it out to show what's holiday pay and what's overtime pay. And it just, it is, it's an easier request. But when you go to the budget hearings or and we start looking at the budget, this overtime line is going to have a huge increase in it. Um, and then you would see that uh, on the holiday pay, there would be nothing left in that, that budget line item. So um, basically it's just, kind of giving you guys a heads up ahead of time yeah. of, of what to look for and how to move forward with and, that. And, and it'll all balance out in the end, and it'll just make the system a lot simpler for everybody that's got to work with it. He also talked a little bit about centralized dispatch um, and um, the agreements uh, with centralized dispatch. Um, everybody in the county uses central dispatch except for Bremen and German Township. Yes. Um, and... Even though it, it was brought up, even though it costs Bremen more to do their own, they like the personal service, I would say, that they get. That when they dispatcher is talking to their officer and they say there is a lost child, they know exactly where, how to explain to that officer where to go start looking or whatever. Where somebody in the county working at Central Dispatch may not know like a landmark or something that would be easier to, so that Bremen's willing to pay more to keep their own dispatch going. But everybody else um, has central dispatch and it's it's been working very well. Um, he did mention that for next year, there will be a 5% increase in central dispatch that the other communities are going to pay in. 
So that is going to give him uh, additional funding. And what he came before you guys for was to seek if right now he currently pays two dispatchers out of that fund and he wants to hire and pay a third dispatcher out of that fund. That's not his only dispatchers. I think overall he said there were about 14, something in that neighborhood. There are multiple dispatchers. I mean, because I think he has about 34. Oh, really? Because when you think about it, you're talking 24-7, 365, um, three people on most shifts. Uh, nobody, unless you are out there, nobody realizes how busy that place is. Well, there, there's the jail fund. There's a special lit fund. There's the 911 fund. There's the central communications fund. And so you, you just can't look and say in one fund, you have to look at all those funds, but I believe it's about 34 that that totals up to. And um, so basically he was just getting, wanting the support of the council to say that there is enough money in that fund to support a, a third dispatcher for them. Yes, and, and again, that's funds that have been paid for from the various entities that are using the center. I, I feel that it's worked out very well. Uh, you have a lot less. Um, what happens is um, if Plymouth has a fire, um, used to be, you know, the down at the Plymouth Police Department, they would call to the to the fire department, you know, put the call out to the officers and then if it was out in the country, then they'd have to contact the county to have some officers come out and block the road off. And it was just a lot of repetitive uh, dispatching going on where this way it comes out of one source and they can dispatch to everybody. And they have that ability that people can hear what else is going on at the same time. So I feel that it works out a lot better for all, even the officers and the emergency responders going out. Uh, to have one centralized location. Well, and when you have it centralized, you also have the ability to know that um, that uh, what's going on throughout the whole county because it's all coming into one center. So you know your resources throughout the whole county and what you can redirect from one area to another area depending upon what's going on. Um, and you guys were supportive of, of that additional uh, yeah. employee uh, to cover that. Um, he also gave you a, a, a little bit of update at the jail. Um, currently, yesterday, the count was 179 inmates in the jail. Um, there has been a kind of, the state has been limiting the amount of inmates once they've been sentenced, and some are sentenced to go downstate, um, they've been limiting the amount of people that we can send downstate to something like five a week. Or, five a week. Um, and, but he said that they were able to take down eight. And I actually looked at bookings. They actually took down nine on Friday. Um, because the state now, instead of having one center that everybody comes into from the whole state and they look at their case, they look at who they are and all this kind of stuff, and then determine what location they're going to put in them. They actually have multiple locations 
What are those called? Well, reignite, <laughs> they would go to Plainfield to the Regional Diagnostic Center, which when all 92 counties, actually there's only 91 counties because one county doesn't have a jail, oh. would take their inmates there. They would then uh, test them, find out you know what their needs are, and what's the best place to put them throughout the state, and then they would farm them out to the various facilities throughout the state. But what Matt was saying uh, yesterday was that they are now starting to do some of this even down here at Miami County Correctional Facility. So that that would be great because then we won't have to go all the way down to Plainfield <laughs> to deliver those inmates. That saves money and miles. Yes. <laughs> you know, time for people to transport, too. Um, and... and and it seemed like they were opening it up to a little bit more people. Um, when asked how many, uh, you know, we still have waiting to go downstate, Matt was not sure uh, about how many that, you know, we're still holding. And then there was a little bit of discussion about uh, the state pay. Um, apparently, it was supposed to go up July 1st to $40 a day. It is what the state will pay the, the county to hold their inmates until they, they can get them down to the state. Um, but the sheriff said, in reality, the cost to the county is actually $60 a day. Right. It's it's around that. And then also uh, the state requires that we hold those inmates for the first three days after they're sentenced. Then we have the paperwork for three days before we can charge them. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> They're going to take advantage of you any way they can. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see. He gave a, a an update on the JCAP program. This is the program um, that the Attorney General prior had allowed funding for um, so that you could provide services. That's the one thing. We are holding inmates that are now been sentenced, and instead of just having people sit there twiddling their thumbs – and basically getting into trouble and not really having any benefit, um, the the attorney general offered funding for programming. And so we actually got a, a program director and we got started on a, a program and offering training and services and a lot of, of to the inmates out there. And now the new attorney general isn't does not seem to be so in favor of that. And so he has ended that grant funding although he did extend it a couple of months already once did that get us into july or through july can you remember? through the end of july so there's probably a slight possibility that he might get enough ridicule I'm, that he would extend it again <laughs> i'm not certain because i'm not really certain how he got involved in this program in the first place why it's not a department of corrections program because the whole emphasis behind this is to change the people that are in the system so that they don't come back into the system. And how that affects the attorney general, I'm not really certain. But it, to me, it would seem like it's more of a Department of Corrections, you know, to limit the number of people that's going to the prisons. Um, is it going to uh, eliminate the need for us to expand this jail at some point in time? I'm not convinced that that's the case. Will it have an impact on the people who are actually going through these classes? I'm sure it will. Anytime that you can reach out and improve people, uh, it's going to have an impact on them. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that's going to reduce 
uh, the jail population per se. It, it may if these people do not come back, but uh, we still have a lot of outstanding warrants out there. And, you, and it's, it's like everything else. You don't know how successful those programs are going to be. Uh, it's like the D.A.R.E. program. The D.A.R.E. program has been around for years. Can we say that it's successful? Can we say quantitatively that we have numbers? Not necessarily, but you don't know the people that's been affected by that that didn't go down the wrong road. Right, exactly. Um, he, he talked a little bit about the, the programming that they're offering. Um, there's a program called Decision Points that they do three days a week. Uh, they have MRT four days a week. They have the uh, drug MRT two days a week. They have anger management three days a week. Uh, there's a metrics uh, for um, my scribbling. I'm not, three days a week. They have a parenting class twice a week. And they have individual counseling five times a week. Um, and so the sheriff put uh, some dollar signs to that to kind of figure out what it would cost if we hired a company to come in and provide those same services. Um, and through the Bowen Center, that cost would be $5,400 a week to offer those services, which Josh Pitts, who is the program director, is certified and can offer that there through his salary, um, which as of this month is still handled through the grant, but you guys have already committed uh, to to handling that salary uh, through the end of the year. Right, so. and that'll be paid for out of the special lip fund for the jail. And then uh, the program supplies and stuff the sheriff is paying for out of his commissary fund. It, it, you know, it, it, it makes you wonder. I mean, obviously, it takes time, too, to know if somebody is going to reoffend. So... Uh, somebody goes through and, and goes through a program and, and graduates from the program and they're great while they're in jail. I mean, everything is going great. But the minute you put them back outside um, and some of these programs that they actually do have things on the outside that people can get, still have some support when they leave. They're not just pushed out the door and OK, now you're on your own. Um, so one year. That they haven't reoffended, that's great. Two years, that's better. Five years, fantastic. In that sixth year, if they turn around, you know. So it, I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that's going to be very difficult to actually. It's going to take a lot of time to tell if it's really being beneficial. But obviously, to give people something to look forward to. Um, to get to do something different than sit in that cell all day is, I mean, I'd be willing to go take a class instead of sitting here all day being bored, you know. So, and if you learn something out of it, and if you can stay positive when you get out, it can have some true benefits, I think. Well, and statistically, through the Department of Corrections, 25% of the inmates who have been in the Department of Corrections will reoffend with new charges within three years. Now, the thing that we have here in our local community is we have the Church of the Brethren up here on Michigan Street that has a program. 
uh, to reach out to mm-hmm. people. We have David's Courage out here on Lincoln Highway as a support system for these people. Um, you've got the Neighborhood Center. We have several things here in our community that if they released from the jail, they have those things that they can lean on. And, and I know Josh Pitts gives them all this information when they leave, you know, so that they can be successful and not have to fail and go back into that system. It, 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 it's, it's so much better than just having them sit there yes. and do their time. Um, I, I mean, there, there are other offerings uh, that happen at the jail on, on top of these programs. I mean, uh, we have offered certifications for food handling. Um, they've done certifications for logistics. Um, so, you know, we have some of the colleges in the area that are coming in and, and helping teach. So I think it, we're giving them at least some tools when they leave that they could actually go and get a job. Sure. And and especially if somebody who happens to be leaving there and going to community corrections before, um, I know Ward has talked that, I mean, people on community corrections are kind of like gold to employers around here that they'll take them because they know those people are drug tested. Those, those people are going to come to work on on time every day because they're involved in community corrections. And more than likely when they are done with community corrections, they stay on with that employer and keep working. So, but, and again, there is no 100% because there are people who don't make it on community corrections too. Exactly. That end up going back into the jail, but at least we're making the effort, you know, to try and improve people's lives. I think, I think it's working. It's just, just some people you can't, they're just bullheaded or yeah, blockheads cir- or something. Their circumstances <laughs> are more than what they can handle, you know, and they slip back to something that, you know, they shouldn't be doing. But. Yeah. And part of that, I think, is because when you come out, you fall back into living in the same location, being around the same people. And that's where you hopefully you in jail you learn that that's not maybe i need to go somewhere else maybe i need to live in a different town maybe i need to get new friends and some of those kind of things that can make a difference in somebody's life um also on the agenda we had a a gentleman there Um, mike marshall actually brought a gentleman in to talk about cyber security Uh, we should have bob from atheus in here because Mm. cyber security is one of his things um the the county i know the county has an insurance plan um protection for a ransomware attack uh but uh, obviously anytime uh, mike said anytime anything's connected to the internet you have the chance of cyber security something somebody getting into the system and so um he said what he really would like to have is a cybersecurity officer. Mm. Uh, but the county really can't afford to do that. Um, but the, he's been working with a vendor um, who actually can offer that service to the county. And so the vendor was there, um, and they talked a little bit about um, not so much what they could do. I mean, I, I think we all can figure out what they can do. And it, it was very, you know, they didn't. It's kind of interesting because they didn't want to talk about the vulnerability of the county in a public meeting. 
which makes sense if there if there are issues that need to be addressed. Um, but um, that in technology, we've all seen even here in Indiana, county governments who have been held ransom for you know for thousands and thousands of dollars. And so um, the the cost actually isn't overwhelming, I don't think. Um, $9,200 a quarter. I will say the cost does not come with a guarantee. No, it does not. <laughs> Unfortunately. Well, and again, as the guy pointed out, uh, your employees are your weakest link in your security thing. <laughs> yes. I mean, if they're if they're opening things up, you know, and and bringing that into your system, you know, that would be the education part that would be the strongest thing that you would have to do uh, to make sure that they understand that when they see this is coming from you know Romania or some foreign country, you know, don't don't open that, don't don't go to that link because that's going to make you susceptible. Uh, there's things that they can do for hardware, but again, you've got employees that you've got to train and make sure on what they're doing with all these connections that you have. So that, that's like when you get that email on your own personal computer at home, I mean, you're opening yourself up too. So people need to be very leery uh, when you're looking at emails and such. If you don't recognize who it's coming from, and if you do recognize it and the portion that you can see does not seem normal. I'm getting some right now that's in a foreign language that I cannot even read. Uh, you know, it's like you just check and mark it and throw it into the trash and get rid of it. Don't don't even click on it to get rid of it. Just get, you know, don't take the chance. Um, but when you have that, he, he specifically talked about an employee who clicked a link and, and said it was a bad link and sent it to the tech department and said, this is a bad link. And then when they looked at it, it said, well, it's clearly phishing that somebody's out there fishing for something. So, um, it, it'll, it'll be another level of protection, uh, for the County. And it would actually put somebody's eyes on it on a regular basis to be watching, to make sure, um, that nothing's happening. And, and so you guys were supportive of, of moving forward. He didn't know if he should start it now, if he should start it next year, try and put it into the budget for next year. Um, and the council was supportive of actually getting it started the sooner, the better. Um, and the, and the county has been working on a continuity of operations plan for the last oh, year and a half. And this is part of the continuity of operations plan, because if our computer systems are damaged, that affects every office in county government. Uh, you know, the courts don't function well without their computers. The, you know, the, the tax people can't collect taxes. They can't do the assessment. We can't issue payroll checks. We can't pay claims. Um, so it's important that we protect that infrastructure. Well, um, you guys were very supportive of it and and told him to go ahead and move forward uh, with getting that in place yet this year. Yes. Um and then we had another uh, pre-budget request. Uh, yeah, Doug Masterson and Commissioner Kevin Overmeyer there. Um, and he promised that this was after a, a long part of the meeting. Mm -hmm. He promised this one would be short. Um, 
there is actually the elevator in the museum is out of order. Um, it's not working. And so people are having, if they want to go upstairs to the train room, they have to take the stairs up to the train room. Um, and there are just some folks who can't do stairs. So it makes it very difficult for the museum that way. And um, so the elevator, they've already ordered the part to make a fix of the elevator. But um, I'm trying to think if I wrote Doug down. Doug. Um, the elevator is old. I think the controls for it are are like he compared it to like a 1940s tube tv yeah uh so the controls are very antiquated and so uh what the proposal is to get the part get it fixed but then actually get new controls for the elevator um at a cost of a hundred about a hundred and ten thousand dollars and uh so he had actually put it in his budget for next year uh but because, you know, think about it. I mean, we're going to be coming into Christmas time when all the kids want to go to the museum and watch the trains and all of that. And so um, asked if there was a possibility that we could get it done this year. And then he'd take it out of the budget, uh, take it out of his request out of the budget for next year. And he, he said it was going to take three or four months to even get, yeah. you know, this motherboard that they have to make for the electronics to make it work. So, yeah, it's important that it be moving along now rather than wait till next year's budget. And um, you guys were supportive of their request um, to move forward with that. Clyde Avery, the EMA director, was there. He wanted to apply for the Emergency Management Performance Grant, which pays up to 50% of the EMA director's salary. This would be for 2021, which means we would get it in 2022. Um, they pay back uh, for that. But we've gotten it. I don't know if there's ever been a year in the last, since Clyde's been in place, that well, we haven't gotten it. Yeah, even before Clyde, I think, uh, that since we've had EMA, we've had this performance grant. And, um, you know, if it pays 50% back to the county for, for, and he does great work up there. Um, and so you gave him permission to go ahead, apply for some free money. Why yes. not? <laughs> um, Lisa Letzinger from the health department was not unable to attend, uh, but she just needed uh, to have some money budgeted from a grant into various line items uh, so that they could spend it. And you guys took care of that for her while she wasn't there. Uh, then Debbie Vandermark was there from the county park department or Park and Recreation Department, or the County Parks. Park Board. Yeah, County Park Board. And um, they it's a new department for the county. It, this year they have operated without a budget. Uh, and um, they have projects that are underway and actually some pro a project that's been completed. And um, so she kind of gave you guys a rundown of what's going on. Uh, the trails at Mill Pond, Memorial Forest, and with the historic trustees cabin and um i i don't know i felt initially she was coming to ask you for some funding to cover the cost of appraisals they are interested in buying a piece of ground a small strip at west school that would be between the the fountain there and the fireman's memorial um, West Township owns those two individual pieces, and there's a, a small strip of land in between there 
that um, they think would be a good place to put the historic log cabin. But to buy that land, they have to have it appraised. And so they have to have two appraisals. One came in at, or one, one will cost $300. The other per appraisal would cost $350. And then they would pay, the, they could pay no more than the median between those two appraisals. The property owner may want even less who know initially i mean initially it was like five to ten thousand dollars is what he was thinking but i don't know how big the strip of property is either so anyway there's no guarantee that they're even going to buy the property but they have to have the appraisal to do that and they don't have funding available to do that so she was coming to ask for the funding for that and uh councilman jim masterson said i think we can get that covered through donations so I guess that's his challenge now is to come up with $650 to cover the cost of the appraisals to get this moving forward. Um, and then it kind of went on from there. Um, she did talk. They are going to submit a budget for next year. Um, I got a little confused in some of the discussions. She talked about some of the various line items. Uh, for. Uh, they also want to do some kayak launches along the Yellow River if possible especially they're looking at when the county is doing a bit bridge project that while they're there doing it and they're working in that way if there was some play, some way they can have access to maybe have a, a get out or a put in for a kayak or a canoe launch in that area with probably uh, some place to park maybe off the edge of the of the road there so they they put a two thousand dollars in for yellow rivers two thousand for mill the trails at mill pond two thousand for the memorial forest and that did i hear her say she put a hundred thousand dollars in for the cabin yes okay but she doesn't know whether that's going to go or not right basically what she's looking for is you know somewhere between 24 and thirty thousand dollars for okay. a budget for the park board for next year but those folks on the park board have taken this on. They've done an excellent job. I mean, they've worked at Mill Pond getting the trails done. They're doing some work at Memorial Forest. And, and all of this without a budget, mm -hmm. they've done it with fundraising of their own to this point. Uh, and I guess what she wants to just make sure is that the county, through the commissioners and the county council, is going to support the park board that's been established. Uh, which, I, you know, I think that they've shown now by moving forward and getting something accomplished that they are serious about it. It's kind of like they've shown their buy-in like the state wants the county to do with the preliminary engineering. They've showed their buy-in by going out and fundraising. And I think they'll continue to fundraise on projects. Um, and it's not so much up to the council to determine the correct location for that cabin um, or to to vote a project down because they don't like the location of the cabin. Um, there, there was some discussion about this cabin and um, how much money do you spend, what is reasonable, what's not reasonable. And so it, 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 it was interesting, but uh, there was support for the park board um, and, and seeing what they've done and what they've accomplished uh, and to keep moving forward. Um, so 
when you come to budget time, there will be a new budget. Yes, there will be. Uh, another one. Another one. Uh, for you, you guys to consider and look at. And we'll be happy to look at it. So we'll see how that goes forward. Um, other than that, uh, you guys did some additional uh, appropriation requests. Uh, one of them was a, a large one, uh, $86,500 for a new hot water heater at the jail. I believe that's two of them. Well, I thought, it, I, thought, I, I, I thought the paperwork I showed had two water heaters. Okay. Well, that would be Cause, great. Because they're both the but, same age. Yeah, they they were put in at the same time. Um, And they're actually, instead of going to put in hot water heaters, they're actually going to put in boilers instead. Um, so that'll be a change. But uh, that's, a, that's a large expenditure. Um, and that kind of, sh- kind of begins to show you the age of the building. Yes. Um. $86,000 for a hot water heater, though, is a lot. It's like, whoa. But you don't realize the size of the hot water heater. It's not your typical. You don't go to Lowe's and buy it. No. <laughs> so um, they did approve that. You also approved uh, $25,000 for additional autopsies for the coroner, an extra $1,000 for fuel, and $8,000 for uh, clerical work, uh, a clerical uh assistant to come in and do typing uh, for them. And then uh, there was a reduction, which this one, a, a reduction appropriate, and a reduction dispropriation. I don't know. Um, because um, so the COVID money that the county um, has already received, um, some of the funds had been spent through department heads, I take it. Yes. And so that... We wanted to make sure that that COVID money that is still sitting there has the correct uh, amount in it. And so um, taking out $88,000 that other departments have spent money on for COVID relief or whatever um, and move uh, move forward with that. Um, uh, compliance forms for a couple of tax abatements, Homestead Dairy and Huyen Farms. I love that the county council actually goes out each year, uh, a member or two goes out and actually meets with the company to see how things are going, um, if they are in compliance, which when you get a tax abatement, you say you're going to buy this equipment or build this building and you're going to spend this money this way and typically you're going to hire on this many more employees or at least keep this many employees working. And um, in the city, the form just comes in and, okay, nobody goes and really goes and does an investigation and checks on it. So I like that you guys go out and actually meet with the person. Um, and so uh, both of those are are in compliance. They did mention that Homestead Dairy is just shy of the number of employees they said they were going to add. Uh, but COVID and then what has happened on trying to hire people in this county recently has made it difficult for them. But uh, but they have hired more employees than when they first got the abatement. Exactly. But they would like to hire some more, but they just can't find qualified people to hire at this point. And they're halfway through uh, their their tax abatement now. So that's moving forward in the Huyen Farms. There's, they're, they were in compliance too. Um, you guys passed a resolution. Um For the electronic meetings. Yes, yes. yes. So that um, 
but which is so confusing because at the commissioner's meeting last week they said their resolution was covering you guys too and it's like okay except for i i've been through the city and every every city office every meeting that the city has had has had to pass that form each one in you know uh, in their in their own so but you guys passed that uh, you know if if you fell down and broke your hip and it would, it would be difficult for you maybe to get in to go to the meetings that you could actually attend the meeting electronically um, and still be part of the discussion and what's going on. And so there are provisions in there on how many times you can attend a meeting electronically and, and not just for the next six months you're going to be in Florida and you're going to be attending them that way that you I think you can only miss two, two. in a row um, uh, and how when an you must have your face and your voice uh on the screen so that people know that you're there and there's no gun to your head that's forcing you to vote a specific way on an issue or whatever and um so it and and it just makes it clear we are still under a, an emergency declaration from the governor but at some point that will probably be lifted um if there's an emergency declaration it makes it much easier that all Everybody can be, if you had to, could be on a meeting electronically, but um, at least 50% of the people at the council have to be in attendance for the meetings, and it just kind of went on and on. And, and again, this comes out of the continuity of operations plans. When we were looking at things on how can we keep county government afloat and going you know, daily as we need to, uh, this allows us to have a meeting of the county council or the county commissioners, even though there is not an emergency declared, and we can conduct business under these guidelines. If a, d a disaster is declared again, we can operate under those things. But this allows us even more latitude should there not be, you know, like you say, an emergency declared. Just someone is sick or someone. And again, it's uh, I bring it back to continuity of operations. The county has done very good at looking at continuity of operation plans. And what can we do to keep sure that our daily operations are, are working? I thought it was very interesting. Um, I mean, there are specific issues that may come up. Uh, one of them would be passing the budget that it, you cannot attend electronically. You have to be there in person. I know one of the commissioner for the commissioners, one of them is, uh, um, oh, it just slipped my mind. When, when you're you're forcing somebody to sell their property to you. Oh, a condemnation yes. suit? Yes, like, like that. You have to be in person. So there are some, some cases where, um, you know, it, it's mandatory that everybody be there. Or at least you can't come on electronically. But, but it does allow. And I've been at a couple of meetings where somebody's been on vacation. And they just go into the other room, get on their laptop, and, you know, they're on their laptop for an hour while the family's out at the pool or whatever. And they can attend the meeting and still be part of it. So I, I, I do like it, and I do like the ability that the public has um, to watch meetings as they're proceeding, which makes it a little different. It's kind of interesting because at the meeting, you know, somebody comes to the table, and, and now they're trying to always ask them, what's your name and what company do you represent? So people recognize, I mean, if I, if they showed up, most of them I would know, but you know, the general public doesn't always know who you are. And so um, it's nice to have those introductions there. Um, and also it does require roll call votes 
um, so that somebody listening or watching that meeting can know exactly. I mean, I can hear by the voice typically who it is who voted yay or nay, um, even if I'm not looking at you guys. Um, so it makes it, it's interesting, you know, the kind of how we had to, um, morph our meetings a little bit, but it, I think it's great. And I love the idea of having the ability to actually watch a meeting live while it's happening. It's, um, it's progress, Kathy. It, and it's it one is. of those things we have to adapt how we do <laughs> what we're doing on a daily basis in order to fit into this, um, progress that we're making. And like you say, sometimes we have to have a roll call vote so that it's clear for the record on who voted which way on some of these topics that seem to be um, important to people. Yeah, it is. Um, the, the last thing, uh, the county auditor did talk to you guys a little bit about budgets um, uh, for the budget process, uh, the rainy day fund uh, for next year. She did tell you uh, currently um, they have, there will be $66,000 budgeted out of the, or for the rainy day fund budget next year that will handle stellar projects. Um, also community crossings, there will be for another 400,000 in there for community crossings. Um, disaster recovery has 200,000 in it. Although, um, Jason Peters thought he would be able to get that, uh, maybe wrapped up this year. So it might not need to be in there. Um, and then the county council's budget for next year is $90,564. And that's, that, that's a pretty tight budget. There's yeah. not a lot of <laughs> no, play we, in there. Well, I mean, we just have salaries and then we have some um, per diem for going to MACOG meetings. And then we have some professional services money for Wagner Irwin and Sheely, our consultant, who does our job descriptions. And uh, basically, that's all we have in our budget. That's one thing. Um, Heath sits on the personnel committee. He's the chairman. You sit on I sit on that committee, and so does Jim Masterson and the auditor, uh, Julie Fox. And you guys had wanted to do a survey the external the internal and external comparison that they did for us before when we first went through our job descriptions and everything and it appeared that it's going to be somewhere between 10 to 14,000 dollars to get that done but they would take 3 to 4 months in order to accomplish it so that would be way past our budget time so it really would not be of any benefit for us to have them do that this year what we would be looking for would be to contract with them either at the end of this year or the first part of next year to accomplish that, to see where we are at with our wages. And basically, that's just making sure that you're you're staying on track with private sector. Yes. Um, so, you know, a, a secretary in the private sector makes this much money. Are we being fair? Um, because it used to be that the county was not the greatest pay. But the benefit was that your day was a little bit shorter because you only work seven hours um, and you had more benefit. You had more days off. Um, but that's not the case anymore. The county is very competitive in their pay. And you want to make sure that you keep that going. So Well, and the county is a pretty assured that you're going to have a job there. I mean, it's not like we're going to close down or we're going to, you know, downsize county government. Uh, so you're assured of having a good job. I think we do have good benefits. We have looked at the pay over the last few years, and we went with Wagner, Irwin, and Sheely, who set up a scale so that 
you know, it's looked at all the jobs based upon the job description and that we pay them according to the, the job that they are performing. And then, you know, we have set a figure that's the highest person in the county and the lowest person, and we've tried to keep those close together. And that's why we've tried to do a set rate uh, from year to year as far as a raise versus a percentage rate. Right. Because when you give a percentage raise, the people at the top make more than the people at the bottom end. And that makes that gap get bigger in between. Right. And so. what we would like to do is keep the gap the same that we have going forward so that everybody would get the same raise, but the person on the top and the person on the bottom are still the same separated apart on where they are on the wage scale. Well, it'll be really interesting. We are going to have a budget um, at the next meeting. Um, it is an all-day affair, uh, very typically. And um, I don't know, with this new council, <laughs> it may. I do remember, though, back in the day uh, that we actually would spend two days oh, yeah, on the budget. Two days. Yeah, it was um, always two days before. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> we may get that way um, where department heads will come in. And basically, you guys go line by line. On this budget and, and what's this for or, or why did this increase or, you know, you're looking at those kind of things and asking them at that point. Um, you don't make cuts. That's the only part I wish you would make more cuts right there that day. Um, that's only because it would be easier to write the story. Oh. You spend the whole day in there and they ain't really accomplish anything. Um, but you get so much information at that meeting that it. it it's worth it to sit there to me and get all that back information. Well, it takes time to go through all those budgets and look at them. And yeah, it'd be easy for you if we just cut and say, we're taking yeah. this out of this one. <laughs> but then when you get down to the bottom budget, I mean, you, you got to look at I've all cut the all budgets. these and now, Oh, well, we don't have to cut anymore. Yeah. So you're good to go. So That's... you got to look at all of them in the totality. And I mean, you're looking at, you know, what, what is your anticipated revenue, you know, and what, you know, what have you got to work with? Those are all numbers you've got to, you've got to take into consideration and you've got different funding mechanisms. You've got, you know, the, the general fund, which is tax dollars. You've got the special lit, which funds the jail operations. You've got 911, which okay. is a, a surcharge that comes from the state. I mean, so, and then you've got Central Communications, which is money that comes in from the agencies that use that. So it's not one simple, easy process. It, it it takes a lot to look at it all to make it all balance out. You guys will know uh, slightly before that what the estimated revenues are going to be. And obviously you will see what the budget requests are. In looking at that, now I'm just asking. So and we'll just do some round numbers. But let's say... You've got to cut a million dollars out of the budget request. Would it not be easier to just go to the department heads and say, okay, look, we've got to cut a million dollars out of next year's budget. So when you guys come in on that Monday, come in with a plan to give us some money back. You you tell us where we're going to cut a million dollars and what you're going to give up out of your budget so that we can get to that without and let them choose where they want to make the cuts more than you choosing um, because then we come back in September and actually make the cuts um, and that can be a, a long day too yeah but um, that would be great put, if it worked that way put it but... on their shoulders to say look we've got to cut a million dollars so when you show up you make you just have a plan on what you're going to give back it would be interesting to see. 
well, who would and how much they would come up with. Yeah, and and from the office holder standpoint, it's it's easier to say, you know, I tried to get this for you, but the council cut it out. You know, rather <laughs> yes. than go as the office holder and say, you know what, I gave this up. I, I'm I gave this up. We're not getting this because I gave it up to the council. Which I would rather control what I'm giving up in my budget of course they they do they have flexibility of doing transfers so you may cut something for their budget and they're just going to have to take some money from over here and maybe not spend so much there and put it over to cover that cost or whatever but i don't know, sometimes i just think it's like just tell them people look we got to get rid of a million dollars so you better come with a plan to give us some money back and and <laughs> you know normally they do a real good job of putting in their budgets and their and their accurate budgets. There's not a whole lot of fluff as you look through the various budgets that we have in these that says you know this is this is a want. Most of them are all needs oh, yeah. that come in those budgets, <laughs> and, it, and it's difficult sitting there trying to decide whose needs get funded and whose needs have to be laid aside for another year because the funding is just not there. I, I kind of feel like the treasurer and the recorder have like two of the smallest budgets in the whole county that there's like no fluff floating around anymore. That well, Over when, the years, we've gotten rid of all of that. When you talk about the recorder, you have the recorder and one full-time employee. When you're talking about the treasurer, you got the treasurer and two full-time employees. I mean, they are sure. two, of, two of the smallest offices in county government other than the veteran service officer. That's a single person. Yeah. Weights and measures is a single person. The EMA office is a single person. Yeah. I mean, their budgets are lower than those two budgets. <laughs> it's an interesting process. Uh, and I would invite people, you can watch it online. You can go to the county's website and watch the meeting live there. Um, also, if you have the county's uh, smartphone app, uh, you can watch it on your smartphone there. It'll show up on there, too. Um, and so you can watch the meetings there, too. So um, encourage people to check it out and see. Well, and, and they should come forward to the seven different members of the council. If they have a strong opinion about something that's coming up in one of these budget sessions or one of these additional appropriations or these spendings like the highway department, contact the council members and let them know what their thoughts are. So this Veterans Parkway extension... If you have a thought on it, contact a council member and let them know. Their, their phone council, numbers are all listed on the county website. Council members are, uh, some council members are by district. Three of them are by, well, four of them are by district, three of them are at large. Right. So you have, you know, it really doesn't matter who you contact, um, even though they, that there is a district set up to it. Um, you can contact any of them and they're more than willing to talk with you. Yes. We would like to have their input. It makes it easier for us to decide what it is. I mean, and, and there was a reference to the public input on Veterans Highway, but I'm not sure what the Veterans Highway project is means to the public. I mean, there was um, Commissioner Klotz, I think, said that the, the public would not take it mm -hmm. well if we did that. But I have not seen that to be a fact. Well, it'll be interesting to see how things move forward. Yes, it will. John, thank you for coming in and spending time with us. Believe it or not, we did go over an hour on our discussion, uh, but it wasn't at least three hours. So I really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule uh, to come and meet with us and with our listeners and let them know what's happening in the county council. Well, I appreciate you and Rusty letting me come in today. Not all a right. problem. No, not at all. Not a problem. We'll take a break. Got a break to take. Okay. So we'll be right back.
Summer fun is here again at the 2021 Marshall County Fair. Brought to you by our Platinum sponsors, 3031 Equipment, Gentech Farm Seed and Chemicals, Marshall County Farm Bureau, Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance, Michael Sheep Farm, and Sequel Wire and Cable. Support our local 4-H kids July 17th through the 24th. Come and enjoy exotic animals, square dancing tractors, donkey races, laser tag, food and commercial vendors, KOI drag races, and so much more. Check out MarshallCountyFairAssociation.com for a full list of events and join us July 17th in August for the Marshall County Fair and see what all the fuss is about. Our bodies work hard for us. They deserve attention and care. Now it's time to take care of yourself and schedule the elective surgery you've postponed. The doctors at St. Joseph Health System are ready to help you safely take that next step. We are here to help you enjoy your life, free from pain. Don't delay. Consult with your doctor to schedule your surgery. Do it for yourself, your loved ones, and get back to your best health. Go to sjmed.com doctors. Schedule your appointment today. For all of your auto parts needs, stop by Hoffman Brothers Auto Parts at 500 West Jefferson Street in Plymouth. Hoffman's, a family-owned business since 1929, is affiliated with Federated Auto Parts. Whether you need oil and filter for an oil change or a new transmission, Hoffman Brothers will make sure you get the right parts and service you need. Stop by 500 West Jefferson Street in the old Oliver Ford dealership and check out Hoffman Brothers' new location. Hoffman Brothers Auto Parts, open six days a week. Keep it pumping. Your hometown radio. FM 106.1 and AM 1050. WTCA. TCA. It's never over till the listener gives his view here on What's Your Opinion on WTCA in Plymouth. Call now, 574-936-4096, or tell us what you think or text, 574-307-6647. Now here's Kathy and Rusty. All right. It's Tuesday. Gotta sway. Yeah. Yeah. Cool jazz for your Tuesday. Okay. All right. We ready to uh, hit the button here? Yes, we All are. Right. We're overtime. Going to wish some folks happy birthday. You're going to be entered in the half for four cupcakes from La Desert Cafe. Also, free small drink from the Coffee Lodge if you're our winner on Friday. Today, happy birthday to Tracy Peters. Tracy, you are entered. In our drawing on Friday for those cupcakes from the Dessert Cafe, also the free small drink from the Coffee Lodge. Now it's time for anniversaries. Uh, this is a belated anniversary, and if you hear your name, you're going to be eligible for 50 bucks from Deaton Clemens Van Gilder Funeral Home. Brian and Sherry Bartlett, happy anniversary to you on July the 1st. Happy anniversary, guys. And it is also the anniversary of Rusty and Maggie Nixon. Oh! So, yeah. Happy anniversary. Yes, 25 years. So, uh, happy anniversary to my wife and happy anniversary to her. Yes. Did, right. did you remember on the right day, though? Not the wrong day? 
Yeah. Okay. I'm on the right day. Oh, I thought you said it was July 1st. No, today no, is your July anniversary? Fr- yeah, today is my anniversary. Oh, July 1st was, was, was okay. the Bartlett's. So. Okay. Yeah, today is my anniversary. So, uh, yeah. Happy anniversary. Uh, Did you play her her favorite song or, uh, or something? Or are well, you making her her favorite um, meal? We're, we're buying a house. Or we're moving. So, the, the kind of... Uh, what a crimp in the... Uh, it doesn't cost anything exchequer. to play her her favorite song. Um, no. Uh, however, I'm not prepared for that right now. So thank you so much for throwing me completely under or the bus. Or dinner tonight. I mean, I make dinner every night. You could make her favorite or put a candle on the table. <laughs> yeah, she'd go for that. She's so <laughs> sentimental. Uh, yeah, I remember doing that one year, and she's like, well, I, I can't see what I'm eating. Turn the lights on. <laughs> so, yeah she's she's hung up on uh, ceremony uh we don't have anything in trading post today so uh we don't have anything in tra- trading post today so that's it as far as i can tell i, I got nothing else me neither all right tomorrow we will be back we got a full slate i think if i remember right i forgot but i already closed my computer yeah we got a bunch of folks tomorrow so join us at nine o'clock and we will be back so uh have a great day wtca plymouth my favorite music fm 106.1 and am 1050 this is cbs news on the hour presented by indeed.com I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Texas Democrats are in Washington, D.C. instead of Austin, where Republicans are holding a special session to enact stricter voting laws. Trey Martinez-Fisher spoke after...